All right, that last line there of the refrain, the Bible tells me so, is what we're going to look at today. Uh, that song is known as the most popular Sunday school song that there is. And maybe you've been singing it for years. You said you could have played it blindfolded uh, today. And, but I wonder sometimes if that's where we keep it. Oh, it's just a kid's song. It's just a Sunday school song. Uh, that last phrase, for the Bible tells me so, is actually a pretty deep statement. And that is a very important statement when it comes to our faith. Uh, very similar to last week, if you were able to either watch us online or be with us last week, we looked at a very, uh, we'll call it a deep teaching of the Bible. We, we examined the Trinity, that God is three distinct persons and yet one God. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet He's not three gods. He's just one God. And, and we celebrated, uh, we celebrated and, and we're appreciative that we didn't have to walk out of here with a clear understanding of the inner workings of the Trinity, and we didn't have to write a thesis on it. In order, our eternal life, our eternal salvation did not depend on us grasping this with our minds. Uh, today, we also appreciate that we don't have to walk out of here today with a complete understanding of how the Bible came to be or of what we call verbal inspiration, how God handed down his word through people. That we don't have to, and you won't probably get an adequate explanation from me uh, or be equipped to explain it to anybody else, but I do pray uh, that we walk out of here with an appreciation for what is how the Bible tells me things, or what we call the doctrine or the teaching of verbal inspiration, how God breathed into the writers the very words that he wanted them to write. And, and, and really why we aren't going to be able to wrap our minds around it, you know, one of the challenges is that um, it, it's just this profound mystery. It's not something that can be duplicated. It's not something that uh, was, uh, can be demonstrated by some psychological experiment. Uh, it's, it's something that we can't repeat. Well, I guess that's the same thing as duplicated. Uh, but it's, it's just this, this big, big, big teaching, and yet it's an important teaching. And so let's, let's appreciate that today as we think about what it is. And, and, and so we're going to be looking at that as we, as we uh, kick off this series called The Word, Continue in What You Have Learned. Uh, today's sub-theme is that the Word is God-breathed. Or another way of saying that is, is called it's verbal words inspired. God breathed into people. In fact, that's kind of the, the dictionary definition for it. If I had a our catechism here, which is a little handbook of teachings, and you looked up in the glossary what verbal inspiration would be, this would be what it would say. Say the miracle by which God breathes into the prophets and the apostles what he wanted them to write in the Bible. That's a definition, the, the section of God's word that we're really going to be looking at closely, not just tonight, but actually all month, is is from Paul's last letter, the Apostle Paul's last letter that he ever wrote. Uh, the, his second letter to his understudy, uh, you might call him his vicar, 
Uh, his name was Timothy. And in the second to last chapter, uh, so chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, he says to them, he says to him, hey, continue in what you have learned, all right? Because you know, you know from whom you learned it, uh, so assuming that's probably a reference to his mother and his grandmother who taught him these things, because he goes on and says, from infancy, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, and then he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Fascinating, fascinating section, fascinating four verses of God's word. And I can't wait to dig into these four verses with you uh, over the course of this month. Tonight, though, we're not going to be looking at all of these verses. We're going to be zeroing in on, on really that middle section there, all scripture is, is God a breathe? Uh, how that exactly occurred, that's what I struggle with explaining to you. How did God breathe into the people, human writers, exactly what he wanted them to write? You know, God didn't have to do that. God could have communicated through a voice or could communicate to you through a voice in the middle of the night or he could put some cloud formations in the sky. And he's done that in the past, right? Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant's listening, right? Or, or pre-GPS, how did he lead the, the people of Israel out of Egypt when they were slaves? He sent them a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And so God can communicate in such ways, but he chose not to, at least not all the time. And that makes sense because voices fade, clouds dissipate. And so God said, you know what, I, I want this written down. I want this written down so that you have it available to you. And we, we kind of do the same thing. Um, many of you know, so last week I mentioned this, and you, and you saw it maybe on some announcements. So my, my daughter is going to be teaching in Florida, and... Uh, when she took that job, so she's, she has one year of school left. And so before she said yes, she made sure she called the financial aid department at college and said, I want to be guaranteed that my scholarships that I was supposed to have for my senior year can still apply when I come back um, after teaching for a year. And I said, that's good that you do that, but get it down in writing, right? That was my advice to her. I want that piece of paper that says, yes, these scholarships will apply uh, later on. That we, we love things in writing. Well, God, too, uh, said that I want things in writing. But how did he do that? He didn't just, you know, plop a big book out of the sky. It wasn't raining Bibles one day and said, boop, here you go. Um, it wasn't raining letters where he just said, okay, open up your pa paper and just let all these letters fall in there. No, rather miraculously, and this is what it's hard to explain, is, is how God guided this, but he used human writers. Over the course of 15, 1,600 years, he used 40-plus authors using their personalities, using their experiences, uh, using their language, using their vocabularies, using their styles, using their skills, and, and it all came together in one consistent message. That is a miracle. 
I mean, can you imagine that? If, I mean, typically on a Sunday morning, we have about 40 people here. So if this Sunday I said, okay, 40 people here, um, you are going to all work together on, uh, we're going we're gonna to write a joint effort book. And, and let's say, let's come up with a, a cooking book. Uh, I would think some people would disagree on how to prepare certain foods. Um, or I said, if, let's, let's come, okay, then let's come up with a sports book, uh, Greatest Athletes. I think there would be some disagreement on who the greatest athletes or greatest teams would be. Okay, well, then let's do a finance book. Uh, there'd be pr probably some different financial strategies, whole life or term life insurance. Do you invest in real estate or do you invest in stocks? Um, okay, uh, how about politics? We're all the same. No, you know, some are red, some are blue, so it's hard to come up with purple. Uh, but, uh, you know, to have 40 people come together and write one book that would have all this, this consistent message, one central theme, is fascinating, to say the least. Spread out over a course of 1,600 years. Not that God was constantly inspiring people, giving them the words to write, but during specific times, over a course of 1,600 years. I mean, can you imagine writing a book with someone who lived in the year 550 and you guys talking about the same stuff and coming up with a central theme, a consistent message, even though they might be talking a different language, it's definitely a different culture? I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I, I loathed, when I was in school, group projects, right? Because it was impossible, it seemed, to get everybody in a group of three or four on the same page. And yet these pages are written by plus 40 people who lived, you know, we're all the same, similar demographic. These writers were completely different demographic. Some... Well, they spoke different languages, but even who they were. Some were kings, some were shepherds, some were doctors, some were fishermen. Some were rich, some were poor, some were educated, some were uneducated. Some lived in Africa, some lived in Europe, some lived in Asia. I mean, the, the differences among these people. And yet God made them all on the same page to write these pages. I mean, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't just blow your mind away to say what a special book this is that we have in our midst, I don't, I don't know what does. The miracle of, of verbal inspiration, we say, how did that happen? And, and that's what it is. It's a miracle. It's a God thing or... Specifically, as God would say here, it's, it's God's breath. That God breathed out these words, the very words that he wanted them to write, using the filter of their language, of their culture, of their styles, of their skills, of their vocabularies, to share with us this message. And so to appreciate just the miracle of the production 
of this book that we have easy access to is, is something special. But it's not just the miracle of how God communicated to us uh, that is pretty special. It, it's also a miracle or special, not just how God communicated to us, but that he communicated to us at all. I don't know if any of you had um, Memorial Day picnics. Some of you, I think, did. Uh, but let's say you had a family picnic, and Aunt Edna was there. Aunt Edna's always there. All right? And Aunt Edna's got this unique gift that uh, once you start talking to her, you're trapped. All right? You can't get away. And so if you, get, if you find yourself in a lawn chair next to Aunt Edna, she's going to tell you about the neighbor's cat, and she's going to tell you about all her illnesses and every medication that she's on and how often she has to take it. And, and, and you are just, you know, there. And, and you, you maybe have a plan on how to deal with Aunt Edna before you get together at the next family gathering. You know, you, you are either going to avoid her or you're going to tell your siblings, hey, if Aunt Edna is talking to me, make sure you come and rescue me. Uh, right? Um, for what? For what? Because you don't want to, quote-unquote, waste an hour of your life. She's not worth it. You wouldn't say that, but that's really what you're thinking. It's not worth an hour of my life to talk to Aunt Edna. Think of the investment of time that God had to talk to you. In and out of a course of 1,600 years, he said, I'm going to spend the time and energy and effort to make sure that I reveal my will and my thoughts to these people. I am going to talk to them. You ever, you ever hear what a time vampire is? Time vampire is someone who sucks your producti productivity and, and time away from you. Um, we are time vampires to God. He's got other things to do. And yet he said, no, you're worth it. You know, you, you think about the, the fact that God spoke to us and he took this time and effort uh, to reach out to us. is, is pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so not only that he produced this Bible, not that he only just took the time, but that he also took the time to preserve uh, this word for us. Yeah, that, that's also uh, pretty special. You know, I, I don't know if we, we think about that uh, so much, but how, how things, how this had to come down to us. There, there are no original autographs of the Bible out there anymore. Uh, the originals were written on animal skins and, and uh, parchment papers and all these different types of things. We don't have those originals. And, and they couldn't just go to a copy machine. You know, I, I think of, so I don't know if you know this, but on the shelf over there, there's a little plastic uh, container, and it, and it has copies of my sermon in there every week. And I put 10 copies over there. And do you know how I make those 10 copies? I either press on the print page of Microsoft Word, I put 10, and it comes out. Or if I forget, to, if I just hit the print button, I forget to actually go to the page, then I get one page over there, and then I just run it through, and I say, print 10 times uh, through the copier. 
and it comes out clean on both sides. On day six of creation, God did not say, let there be Xerox or let there be Rico. Um, there, he, he just didn't copy the word. Or you know, it wasn't until the 1500s that the printing press uh, was invented. And so what happened is that for thousands of years, there were scribes just like you were at the beginning of the service today, and they would have to copy these things, either by looking at one piece of paper and copying it, or someone would dictate it to them, and they would copy that. Now you think about how that would have happened. Or, or what would the possibilities be of mistakes to that? Quite fascinating. You know, it's like the telephone game. So if I would start off here telling a secret to Richard and say, okay, now you pass it along, by the time it got over to here, the chances of it being 100% of what I said, not so good. And the more people, the more time it gets copied or reiterated, the greater the chance of the mistakes. Well, now you have copies being made of the Bible and copies of copies and copies and copies and copies and copies, and copies over a thousand years. Over a thousand years. And, and you would expect lots of mistakes of all the copies that have been in the world. And you know what percentage? There, so there are, there are copies that have been found in different continents and from different time spans. And the variance between the copies is less than one-tenth of one percent. 99.9% all say the same thing. And the only time there's a variant, it has nothing to do with how you and I are saved. It's maybe the, misp like the, uh, the copier maybe cop repeated himself or he misspelled a name. Or maybe like 900, 900 copies say Lord Jesus and the 901st copy says Lord Jesus Christ. Or 900 says Father and, or the Father and the 901st says Our Father. It's not going to change the way that we're saved. 99.9% of the whole scriptures. What did we do? About 63.6%, right? On one verse, two verses. Think about that. If, if I figured out, if we would have been 90% accurate and we would take those, so let's say everybody who worships this weekend is 90% accurate and we take those and we say, all right, world, here's the Bible. And the rest of the world copies it at 90% accuracy rate. It would only take seven cycles of being copied before there would be more false copies out there than true copies. And we have 99.9% accuracy. How God preserved his word for you and for me is no less miraculous than, than how he produced it. And, and so we, we just really appreciate that. And, you know, so far I've spent all this time um, uh, uh, looking at, I should have been, I did skip this verse before, but uh, going back to, to how the, the prophets themselves acknowledged this is not our word. They weren't going to plagiarize this as themselves. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God 
as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is God's hand through them. Uh, but but to, again, to, to see how God just not only produced this word, but preserved this word, I think really makes us appreciate uh, what Peter said in one of his letters. He said, you know what? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, the, the God-breathed word of the Lord endures forever. Or, and this is the word, this is the God-breathed word that was preached to you. Like I said, so, you know, I've been spending a lot of time looking at kind of explaining that, that hyphen there. What does it mean that God breathed? So God guided this process. God gave them the words. Yes, he used their language. Yes, he used their vocabularies. Yes, he used their styles and skills. But God is guiding this whole process, giving them the very words. But don't skip that word at the beginning of that phrase either. All. All scripture is God-breathed. And that's maybe what's also under attack today. That maybe I'll believe the Bible, at least those parts that I agree with. I'll believe the Bible, oh, those parts that have fit my culture. Or that don't make me feel uncomfortable. The old saying, for the Bible tells me so, doesn't seem to cut it so much as an authority in conversations anymore today whether it's external conversations or even internal. It's so easy to say, well, I'm going to be the judge of what part of God's word I want to take and what I want to apply to my life. And I'm going to be blunt here and say, you know what that is? It's the height of arrogance, first of all. It's saying, I, I don't care what God says, it's my word that counts. Well, we'll just call it sin. Call it what it is. It's sin. It's breaking the third commandment, which says, you know, to, to hold God's word in high regard, to respect it, but it's also breaking the first commandment. It's, it's saying, I don't, okay, this is what God says. This is what I say. Well, I'm going to rank myself higher. I'm God. I'm sitting on the throne. And if we're sitting on the throne, that doesn't bode well for us when it comes to eternity. Because I can't save myself. But God can. And in order to save us, that's why he gave us this. That's why he gave us this word. These words, he says this very clearly, these words are written. Why? so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. You know, and that, that maybe brings me to just one final point. I've, I've talked about the, the time that God spent, 1,600 years, revealing this word to his people, the energy, the effort, using all these different people and these styles and these skills to, to, to bring the word into our life. But it wasn't just time, energy, and effort. It also was blood, sweat, and tears. Literally, blood, sweat, and tears. Blood of the prophets and the apostles who were killed for proclaiming these words, who were persecuted 
but also the blood of Jesus. Ever think about that? That if God was going to authenticate this word, if he was going to validate this word as being true, that means he had to keep everything that he said. And so when he says in the Old Testament, I'm going to send my son to pay for, the, for your sins. Or when he says in the Old Testament, he's going to be pierced for our transgressions. He's going to be crushed for our iniquities. If God's got that out there, then he has to fulfill it. Otherwise, he's a liar. Otherwise, this book is invalidated. And so Jesus dies. Jesus dies not just because he loves you, not just to take away your sins, but Jesus lives, dies, and rises again to, to put the stamp of approval to validate the very word of God. Again, that shows just how much you mean to him. You know, if you are ever questioning, or maybe questioning now, how much am I worth to God? Yeah, you can look at that phrase that we just sang earlier, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. And that helps. But you can also look at that last phrase. For the Bible tells me so. The fact that you are here today and God is speaking to you through his word, that gives you value. He says you're worth my time. The fact that you have access to his word, uh, that that's assures you you have value. The fact that he was willing to pour out his blood to validate this word that you have access to 24-7 on your phone, that assures you just how much you are worth in God's eyes. And so appreciate. Let's appreciate this book, these writings, these scriptures that God gives to us. And know without a doubt, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. Amen. We will now confess our faith uh, using the words of the...